Welcome to Golden Topics, which are personal discussions with a variety of professionals on critically important elder issues. Hi, my name is Mirit Hoffman. I'm a mother of three, a gerontologist, and an attorney specializing in elder law. My focus is helping senior citizens to stay in control when they reach significant junctions in their lives. I am a member of STEP, which is a global society of trust and estate practitioners. I lecture on estate planning, and I write on various sites about the relationship between children and their elderly parents and the daily needs of the intergenerational family. These podcasts are personal discussions with a variety of professionals and are intended for anyone who is interested in being enriched with knowledgeable information regarding significant crossroads for seniors. Let's get started. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, everybody. Today, I want to discuss the planning of an enduring path attorney as part of your estate planning. Two important things. One, this conversation is not a substitute for legal advice. If you have specific um, questions, I suggest you discuss it with your attorney. Or obviously, and obviously, you can always discuss it with me. I'm happy to help. And the other thing is that we are discussing today an Israeli power of attorney. Israeli power of attorney will apply to people who either live in Israel or that have assets in Israel that they would like somebody to handle on their behalf in the event that they're no longer capable of making their own decisions. Okay, guys, so let's start. Um, so let's start with some numbers. Research shows that there is an increase in life expectancy, and at present time, it bypasses the age of 80. So in the 19th century, it was 50, and the 20th century, we're talking about 65 years. So we are actually living longer. However, with old age, there's usually a decline in health, and I'm specifically talking about mental illnesses like Parkinson and dementia, which are more common as we get older. These diseases greatly harm not only our physical abilities, but also our cognitive abilities. And more, more importantly, they actually develop very slowly over time. So we're not necessarily aware of them when we start becoming ill. So the fact that we actually live longer doesn't necessarily mean that our quality of life stays the same throughout our entire life. And let's start with a few cases. I had a couple coming in. They were um, in their second marriage. The husband was much older than his wife. And he was worried about the stage where in the event that he would have to be put into assistant living um, and his wife would stay at home, he wanted to make sure that she could stay in the house, in his house, for as long as she wanted. He was basically worried about his children from his previous marriage um, wanting to kick her out of the house. That's one uh, scenario. And the other scenario that I'd like to share with you would be a family of four where um, the parents are helping one of the children financially and they want to continue with the support on one hand, but on the other hand, they want to make sure also that in the event they need that money for any health issues, then that support would stop. So let, let's look at some of the options that are available to us. We have the option of giving somebody a regular power of attorney. A regular power of attorney is a document 
which we appoint somebody to act on our behalf in the event that we don't want to do something by ourselves. For instance, um, I give a PAV attorney for somebody to go to the post office and take a package for me, or I give a PAV, or I give a PAV attorney for somebody to take my car and do a test for me. These are all things that I am in theory perfectly capable of doing on my own, but I choose not to, and I choose to point a proxy to do those things for me. That's all wonderful and good. However, when my mental capacity will be impaired and I'm no longer capable of making decisions on my own, this um, regular power of attorney will, will actually be canceled. It will cease to exist. So it doesn't really help me in the event that I've lost my mental capacity. Okay, so what's the next option? The next option is basically being appointed as a guardian. When one is no longer capable of making decisions on his own, family members, usually it's family members, would request to be appointed as a guardian over that person. They would have to go to court and apply for that, meaning they'd have to go through the bureaucratic system, um, a social worker, from the municipality where that person lives would come and give an assessment and that assessment she would file as a report to the court. And then within a few months, three, four, five, whatever months, um, people would be appointed as a guardian for that person. Once there's a guardian appointed, the guardian has all kinds of obligations um, on behalf of the courts for the courts, for instance, filing yearly reports, yearly financial reports. That's the second option. Third option is basically an enduring path attorney, which is our conversation today. So the enduring path attorney is a legal document relatively new from 2018. Through this document, you appoint a proxy or proxies of your choice to handle your affairs when you're no longer capable of making decisions of your own. And you also in this document specifically state what kind of instructions you want to give them. The enduring PAV attorney is very different from a regular PAV attorney because the enduring PAV attorney gets activated only when we're no longer capable of making decisions on our own, whereas a regular PAV attorney is given at, at the time when somebody's still capable of making decisions but, at, but requests for somebody to do something on his behalf regardless. The regular PAV attorney will be canceled when one loses his mental capacity, um, so it doesn't really help us in that event. Whereas the enduring path attorney only comes alive or only gets activated when one loses his mental capacity. The enduring path attorney is a simpler document to implement as opposed to guardianship because there's no need to go to the court and there is no requirement to file financial reports. And most importantly, it's something that we prepare in advance according to our wishes, whereas guardianship is done by the family members and it's nothing that we have any control of. Saying all that, let's dwell a little bit more into the enduring path attorney. So the enduring path attorney, again, is a document that we prepare in advance. What happens is that once a document is prepared, all the people that are um, part of this document, which is the person that we're preparing the document for, the proxies, and the lawyer 
who prepared the document all have to sign on this document. This document then gets filed with the, the, um, with the government office that's in charge of these documents. In Israel, he's called the Administrator General and hopefully gathers dust and we never have to use it. Sort of like insurance that, you know, nobody likes buying it and you have it for a rainy day. If you need it, you're very happy that you had it. So this is very similar. The Enduring Path Attorney is a document that I recommend not only for people who are senior citizens, but also for people who like extreme sports or for people who are traveling a lot. It's just a document that's good to have in the event of something that may happen to you. So that gives your family members a much easier way to handle things on your behalf and to implement your wishes. Okay, so let's dwell a little bit more in depth about this enduring path attorney. How do we actually appoint a path attorney? Let's take a regular family who has um, three or four children. How do they know who to appoint? So the thing is, you can really appoint whoever you want. You can appoint as many people as you want. The idea behind it is you have to appoint somebody that you trust, somebody that you feel safe with, somebody that you feel that is going to actually um, go by your wishes, that you have good communication, that's accessible to you, that's available, that manages his, his matters himself responsibly. I had, I have had very, I've had quite a few cases where the um, parents told me that they have more than, you know, they have a lot of children, but they only want to appoint some of them because the others simply, they don't see eye to eye with them regarding handling their issues. And they want to make sure that the person they appoint manages his own matters responsibly, or at least the way that they would have handled it. Um, and they that's why they decide to appoint only a few of the people. And that's totally fine. Um the most important thing is also that you appoint somebody of your own free will, that you're doing this document of your own free will. I've had a client call me, a, actually a child of a client calling me, informing me that he would like me to prepare documents for his mother. And um, it's very urgent. When I called the mother, she said, yes, she's very much interested in preparing during have attorney, but it's not urgent. There's a few things that she still wants to do and she doesn't have the bandwidth and the, or the mindset to, to deal with it right now. And so I waited until she called me back, which was about a month later. And then we prepared the document when she was ready to prepare the document. And that's very, very important. Preparing an enduring power of attorney is a process and you have to have the mindset to do it. And you have to do it when you feel the most comfortable, when you feel that it's the right time for you. Um, you don't have to appoint family members, by the way. You can appoint your best friend. You can appoint a professional like an accountant or an attorney that you feel comfortable with who will obey your wishes. There are some restrictions on who can be appointed as a power of attorney. I don't really want to get into it so much. One of the things that I'd like to mention is, for instance, you cannot appoint a proxy who is declared bankrupt by the courts or is a, considered a restricted client in the bank to handle your financial issues. 
And that's obviously to avoid conflict of interest. There's a few more restrictions, but again, we're not going to get into those. That was the most important one. How to what kind of issues do we actually appoint uh, a proxy on our behalf for this enduring path attorney? So the enduring path attorney includes three issues. We're talking about our personal issues, our financials, and our medical um, issues. So medical issues are it's quite obvious. Financials is also you know our banking. If we have an apartment that we're renting out, so dealing with those issues. And personal issues are things that are important for us. For instance, do we want to live in a home? Do we want to live with a caregiver in our house? Do we want to go to family events when we're no longer capable of making decisions on our own? Um, do we have specific allergies? Are there foods that we do not like that we do want to make sure that we're not going to be fed? Um, do we like music? These are sort of our personal things that we want to make sure that people know about um, that will make us happy. And I'm very much for having the personal touch on your documents. It's not that I think that family members don't want to make you happy or they don't even know about it. I just feel sometimes that when we're dealing with a parent who is no longer capable of making his own decisions, there's so many issues even bureaucratic issues that the proxy has to deal with. Sometimes he just forgets the little things and little things can make a big difference for that person. If you're talking about having a bath once a day, that's something that calms you down or listening to your favorite song. Those are important things that, you know, can make a difference in your life and give you a little bit of quality of life. And therefore I think it's a very important to have that in the document itself. Um, let's think about, let's discuss how many people we can appoint. So you decide how many people you want to appoint. You can appoint one person. You can appoint a few people. Taking into consideration that there's a pros and cons for everything. If you only appoint one person, then that's easy. He's the only person or she's the only person that makes decisions on your behalf. However, there's also a disadvantage to the fact that she's the only person or he's the only person because what happens if that person is, is not feeling well or what happens if that person wants to go on vacation? There's nobody basically to back him up. So that's a disadvantage. If you're appointing a few people, you might want to take into consideration an instruction of how decisions would be made by them. It's something that you need to add onto this document. Also something to consider would be to appoint an backup um, a, a proxy, meaning somebody that would fill in the proxy's shoes in the event that the first one is no longer capable of acting as a proxy. So in order for this document to continue to act on your behalf, you would have to make sure that there's somebody as an alternative and as a backup. Um, there are things that the proxy will not be able to do on your behalf, for instance, like preparing a will. There are things that if we want our proxy to act on our behalf, we have to specifically state it in the document, like gifting for, for um, family members, maybe on their birthdays or weddings for grandchildren. And there are things that you're still we're still going to need the court's approval for, for instance, selling a house. 
um, the court is going to want to make sure that one is selling a house on the person's behalf because they need the money and not in order to sell the house and take that round trip around the world on, you know, at the expense of the, that other person. It's also very important to understand that once this enduring path attorney is activated, um, the role of the proxy is abating the person's wishes. And for that to happen, he needs to make sure that he's understood and that everything that is done is done in a way that is, is very gentle. It's not like you're taking over. You're not working for your parents. You're working with your parents. It's extremely important that the proxy understands and needs to explain everything to the, um, to the, to the parents before he does things on his behalf to make sure and try to get him involved as much as possible. I had a client, um, that had to take away her mother's credit card. And um, that was very, it was a very hard decision to do. What she did instead was she gave her mother a debit card with a certain amount of money in it so that the mother felt that she was in somewhat control of her assets and can go on occasion and buy herself a cup of coffee without having to ask permission. But on the other hand, the, the daughter was still in control of finances and they wanted to make sure that the mother is not spending money on things that are not something that she should be spending on. So that was some sort of compromise that they came up with. Um, you know, also it's very important that the proxy maintains, you know, the, the parents' um, values and relationship within the community and friends and not to isolate him or her. Some of the instructions would include also how the person wants this enduring path attorney to be activated. Um, the default of the law at the moment is according to a medical opinion, but you can play around with that and be more creative. You don't have to have a medical opinion. It could be also according to a decision by a best friend or a rabbi in some cases. Um, the only restriction that you have is that you cannot appoint the proxies themselves to make the decision alone of activating this document. Also, for, for pretty obvious reasons. It has to be somebody who's objective, somebody that is outside of this document that can make that decision. Another instruction that needs to be stated in the document is obviously who are the proxies and how decisions are made by them. It's important to state, do you want to give gifts on the occasions of weddings and um, weddings and birthdays and such? And there's no real right or wrong answer. Everybody does what is comfortable for them. I have clients that state, you know, if God forbid this document is activated and I don't know what I'm doing, I definitely don't want to give any gifts. I want to give gifts only when I am perfectly capable and understand what I'm doing. And some people say that it's actually important for them to continue giving gifts, monetary gifts, um, from them for, to their family members is something that's important and they would like to act, to continue doing so. Another important discussion would be living accommodation. 
Some people are very adamant that they want to stay at home with a caregiver if needed. And some people actually would rather be moved to assistant living and do not want to stay at home. And that is a definitely a discussion that should be done. Um, family events, would they want to stay? Would they want to participate in family events? Some people actually are very insistent. They do not want to go to any family events. And some people, the opposite, want to go to every family event. Um, they feel that maybe if they're there around family, um, they will still enjoy it. It's very, very important to understand that, especially with dementia, um, people have days that they are perfectly capable of understanding or even hours that they are more with it. And we don't know when that happens. And it could well be that when somebody is participating in a family event with family and in a comfortable environment, um, he will be able to enjoy it to some level. So it's definitely something that should be taken into consideration. Um, another instruction that I've had would be people that have pets and want to make sure that their pets are being taken care of. Um, people that are religious and want to continue to participate in their synagogue events and their shul events, and they want to continue going um, to shul and on Shabbat or on um, holidays, high holidays. Uh, there was a recent case I'd like to share with you that emphasizes the importance of this enduring path attorney. In that case, there was a um, common law spouse relationship between two common law spouses. They were living together prior to this document, before, um, sorry, prior before the one of the spouses became very, very ill and had dementia. And he did not have an enduring path attorney that was prepared for him. So there was a guardian that was appointed, which was not the common law spouse. And um, the guardian at some point wanted to sell the person's house. In this case, the common law um, couple were living in the um, in the house of the 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 male's um, apartment, and they the guardian wanted to remove the woman from the apartment because he wanted to sell the apartment. There was some sort of medical procedure that the person needed, and the guardian wanted to sell the apartment in order to finance that. And the common law spouse refused to move from the apartment. She said that her spouse would not want her to leave, that he told her that he would like her to stay, that it would be very difficult for her financially if she would be moved. And the most important thing that she said was that this apartment is very close by to the old age home where her spouse lives and she visits him every day and therefore she knows that that's what he would want and she wanted to stay. It took a lot of investigating and hassle of hiring lawyers and a very long um, court case that had to be had here in order to be able to eventually move um, the, the spouse from the apartment. And there was a private detective that was hired and the private detective found out that the woman had an apartment of her own so she had a place to live. And also that she was actually in a new relationship 
And those two things helped the guardian convince the court that it was um, actually necessary to move her out and he was able to sell the apartment and finance whatever medical um, intervention that was needed for the men at that point. The reason I wanted to emphasize it is had that person prepared an enduring private attorney and expressed his wishes explicitly what he would want in all cases, we wouldn't have had to go to court. It would have been a much easier way to handle things. So that's just, you know, a, a little story about what can happen if you don't have an injury pap attorney. A few more things that I'd like to mention. Once we um, file this with the Administrator General, which is the government office that's in charge of this document, one will receive every three years a reminder that there's an enduring pap attorney that's been filed and give them the option, you know, would you like to make any changes to this document? Maybe you want to make changes to the people that you appoint as a proxy, or maybe you want to make changes to the instructions themselves. And any of these changes would require one to prepare a whole new enduring path attorney. And therefore, um, the enduring path attorney is a process. And I fully recommend that one takes the time to think about um, as much as he can of anything that may come up so that we will not have to go through the process again of preparing a new document. Um, another thing that comes up a lot is a lot of my clients ask me, "Do what do I think about um, paying some sort of monetary salary or compensation to the proxies that I appoint? It's a very... Um, it's a very personal question, meaning everybody does what they feel that they feels the most comfortable for them, their gut feeling, so to speak. I don't recommend it necessarily. Most of my clients don't feel the need to add monetary compensation to the people they appoint as a proxy. I did have a few clients that did that. Um, a specific case was in the event that... Um, one of the cases was in where there was basically an only child and the parents were concerned what would happen if they both were no longer capable and that child would have to solely take care of them, to, um, both of them by himself. And in order to sort of ease the burden, they felt more comfortable with the fact that they could actually give him some sort of monetary compensation for that. But that is not a given. The thing that is taken into consideration is reimbursement for any reasonable expenses that the proxy would occur on behalf of the parent that he's taking care of. So, for instance, if let's say the proxy has to take a taxi with the parent um, to go to hospital, then obviously the expense of the taxi, he could be reimbursed from his um, parent and doesn't have to come out from his own account. There is also the option to appoint a supervisor. A supervisor is somebody that would supervise the proxies. For instance, if in the, in the event that we're talking about parents that have relatively um, younger children in their 20s or 30s and they appoint them as proxies and they want to have, let's say, the aunt or uncle um, supervising them, just you know, keeping an eye on them, that's something that's definitely possible. Um, but those are sort of specific issues, and that's something that you would discuss with your attorney on your when you're talking about your specific case.
again, um, as I mentioned in at the beginning of this conversation, you appoint, you decide how this document would be activated. Um, the default of the law is according to a medical opinion. And the last topic I'd like to discuss is when this document basically expires. So the most common um, occurrence when it expires would be upon the death of the appointer. When he no longer is alive, this document is no longer ceases to exist. However, if it has been activated, the proxy has 90 days to continue handling things on behalf of the parent um, or whoever it is that he's appointed for. Just to close up financial issues, basically we're talking about um, paying out any outstanding bills, if there is a department that's being rented out, so dealing with the rental payments, dealing with any burial expenses, they have 90 days to basically close up shop just to make sure that everything is done and is neat, neat and finished. The proxy can always decide that he no longer wants to act as a proxy, and that is absolutely fine. And therefore, it is very important to always have a plan B in that case. So when the proxy decides he no longer wants to act as one, there would be somebody else that would come in and fill his shoes. We as the appointers can always cancel a document ourselves. We have two options to do so. One is filing a request from the courts. So let's give a scenario, for instance, it's rainy and miserable outside and the person wakes up and feels very hard done by and decides that nobody's taking care of him, nobody's coming to visit him, he's all on his own. And he actually gets lawyered up, as they say, and requests from the court to cancel his power of attorney. The court will f check and see if there's justification to do so. This means that in the event that the person is actually well taken care of, everything is okay, there's no abuse in his account, money wasn't taken out for no reason, everything is done as it should be, and there's no justification to cancel documents, he will not cancel documents. However, if there was an abuse of power, the court will cancel a document, and if needed, will file uh, and appoint a guardianship for this person, because when there's a guardianship, the court is more on top of it. That's one option to go to court. The other option is by simply sending a written notification to the proxies saying that they are now revoking this power of attorney. They're no longer interested in them being proxies and they'd like to revoke this power of attorney. And that is perfectly um something that the appointer is capable of doing and can do. Some people would like me to cancel that option. They're very nervous about having that option. They'd like me to cancel it. Um, but again, the most common reason that one, when that this document would, would expire would be when the appointer passes away. So if I summarize this conversation, the Enduring Path Attorney is a document that we prepare today. It comes into effect only when we're no longer capable of making decisions. We've lost our mental capacity to take care of ourselves and to take care of our personal affairs. Through this document, we appoint a representative or proxy to handle our affairs. And through this document, we also set out guidelines on how we want our affairs to be handled. It is a very effective tool 
that will enable us to continue to live our life as we have done up until now, according to our own instructions as much as possible. And therefore, it should be considered seriously when we're thinking about planning ahead. It should be taken seriously as part of our estate planning. It's no less important than a will. So that's all about an enduring path attorney. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. We're going to have more of these um, where I'm going to talk about various important things to do with estate planning. And in the meantime, keep, um, you know, keep watching over my, um, my podcast. I hope I see you in my next one. And at the moment, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Golden Topics. I hope you enjoyed it and that it provided you with important information. Do not forget to click and subscribe to Golden Topics so that you can stay updated on my upcoming podcasts. And of course, please share and invite family and friends to listen so that they can also benefit from the information discussed here. You are also welcome to visit my website, www.lawmirit.com and to follow me on Facebook for more information regarding intergenerational estate planning and the various needs of the elderly population. I'm already waiting for you with my coffee in the next episode.